The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. This week on Super Skull, it's our second podcast in like two days. It's almost Thanksgiving, so we're going to talk about wrestling. Welcome to Super Skull, your weekly new comic day audio digest from Vault of Midnight, or it's the finest comic books in the since 1996. My name is Nick Wybar. I'm here with Curtis Sullivan. I am here with the new previews, and I'm ready to go. Curtis, uh, you're wearing a really awesome Paul Pope Battling Boy shirt that I didn't know existed or that you had. Oh, it's super exclusive. It was uh, only it was sent out to retailers that ordered X amount of copies of Battling Boy. Yeah. We only got one copy of the shirt. It was only sent to a select few retailers. And now it's on your person. And I stole it before anyone saw it, and I've had it ever since. Classic That's Curtis yeah. Sullivan. <laughs> I was going to say classic Curtis Sullivan. That's Marcus Schwimmer that you hear. Hello, sir. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. We were just doing this a minute ago. We just did a podcast like really recently. A couple days ago. You guys remember that? Mm. Kinda. I, f- I feel Actually, like it happened. But have you, have you guys listened to the holiday gift guide since it came out? I I have. I, I think it, I'm super happy the way it turned out. I was a little nervous at the end of that one. We're gonna not. Uh, co- you want to compliment our podcast on this current the beginning of this podcast? Fuck it. I thought we did wonderfully. <laughs> well, the listener will be, will be the judge. I guess. Uh, I guess. Um, what's up with your world, guys? What's going on? LARP, is, LARP, LARP season's done. LARP season's over? Yeah, mm. taking a couple month break for the winter months. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm a little sad, but at the same time, I've been neglecting some video games, so it's going to give me, through the winter months, I'm going to catch up on my video games. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's on your docket? The uh, new StarCraft expansion, for sure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's going to happen. And then uh, Star Wars Battlefront needs some attention as well. That's really yes. exciting. Yeah. You were also, like, you were pretty battered at the end of this LARP season. Yeah, it was rough on the old on the old frame. It's it's a real eye opener to how fragile your body is. The old Odin vessel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my hips really messed up, which makes me feel like an ancient old man because I don't think anyone else messes their hip up. But uh, it was really cold at this last event, uh, and I don't know if I slipped at some point or something. But yeah, my hips all goofy. That is weird. Yeah, oh, it's so funny. This, you know, I fell down and I hurt my hip. But uh, the next LARP event is Feast. Mm-hmm. Which is just a giant eating and drinking fest. Ooh! So I'll give you a report on how that goes. They named it Feast. It's called Feast. Yeah, I feel like we could have done better than that. I'm saying, can non-larpers come to the feast? What's the what's the skinny to, on I'll that? Br- I'll bring you to Feast. Yeah, you know I mean, can I just show up and chow down? Well, I got some clothes for you. Really? You gotta, you gotta be in character though, don't well, you? Well, yeah, no, yeah. I'll be in character. I mean, for the feast. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll take you to feast. <laughs> We're feasting. Sure. What do, What do I gotta do? What do you want me to be? I'll be whatever you want me to be. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll take you to feast. Uh, well, I love it. Curtis, what's, what's going on with you, man? You got a big holiday coming up. You're having, you're always the host for the holidays. Yeah, this you, year is pretty easy though. We only have a few people coming over, so it's going to be pretty laid back. Every year you say that, and every year there's a shitload of people at your. There's house. been no surprise though. Every year, like two days before Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, we're going to have 27 people over. Yeah, this, that hasn't happened. That, It'll be actually uh, this pretty year. mellow. So this I think it should be like six, seven people. All right, pretty chill. That sounds nice. I'm going to brine a turkey tonight at like 11 o'clock at night when I finally get Sweet. home and done shopping. So it'll Sweet. be a little midnight brining. Of the turkey. Very nice. Got my mac and cheese recipe on deck. I'm, yeah, I'm psyched. Very I got Ghostbusters, uh, the board game. Like, uh, when do you think you're going to get a chance to play that? You want to play that on Thanksgiving? I'm going to try and play it on Thanksgiving. It's a cooperative ghostbusting board game based on the hit movie franchise Ghostbusters. There's a movie? There's three films. Okay. Well, there's two films now, and there's one, a new one coming, so there'll be three at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the Kickstarter version of this game, you dudes. 
and it was a blockbuster, so it's going to be like a whole crate of Ghostbusters. You stuff. got all like the extra Goodies. stuff, all of the the rewards, the Ecto One, and a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man nice. mini. All this cool stuff. I can't wait. And it's like a scenario based cooperative Ghostbusters game. I uh, reviews are pretty okay. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to play this thing. That's awesome. So that's my Thanksgiving. I love the Ghostbusters so much. That was the first, the earliest toys that I ever remember having were Ghostbusters toys. Really? I had the um, firehouse. Yeah. I, and you dumped slime through the roof that would seep through. Yeah. And I got that was I was not allowed to do that after one time. Mm-hmm. That was uh that there was horrible things happened and it was removed from my person. <laughs> so did, were you able to keep the the firehouse just no slime? The yeah, slime after we, was after taken we away. Hosed it down yeah. and you know replaced all the furniture. <laughs> then it was good to go. Nick, what's up with your room? I'm just doing it, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nothing is going on. You're just doing it. I do it. <laughs> Well, it's like he's sending a bunch of emails. He's currently trying to level up his desk. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's a busy week. That's true. It's a it ton is. of shit going yeah. on. Yeah. So I got a lot. I'm, we're podcasting today. Yeah. If I seem a little cranky, I'm going to take it out on you two. Please if that's do. Okay. Yeah, please do I'm going to fully take it out on both of you. I, th- I thought we were space lovers, but whatever. We are space lovers. Yeah. No, it's been busy. I haven't played Fallout, and I think it's, we're going on day four. Mm-hmm. It's killing me. It's That's too long. It's the worst. So I think uh, by next Sunday, I think I'm going <laughs> to have some time for the fallout. You should pencil in some time. You're right. You're right. Let's, uh, hey, really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, this episode will air on Brown Wednesday. It will. What is Brown Wednesday? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Well, what is it? Oh, I was hoping that you were going to take it off from there. Yeah, I'll tell you. So uh, we love our subscribers at Vault of Midnight. Oh, so And much. we love them so much that we made up a holiday. And it's the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's a special big old sale sale extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Or just our subscribers. That's right. If you're listening to this podcast and you are a subscriber, check your email inbox because there's some sweet goodies waiting for you. Uh-huh. And uh, we're, we, we can't wait to see you on Brown Wednesday. Now that I think about it, we love our subscribers so much, but the holiday we invented for them is Brown Wednesday mm-hmm. with a cute little poop emoji. Yeah, and all the marketing, there's a cute little poop emoji in there. This is <laughs> a comic book weekly roundup, which means that we read a bunch of comics. That's true. They come out every week. We sift through them, mm-hmm. and we talk about it. All those things happen every so, week. So we uh, have a few picks for you this week amongst all of the stuff that's being released. We uh, think that you should consider the following. Marcus, what was your pick? Uh, my pick is Silk Number 1 from Marvel Comics. So Silk was my uh, surprise hit of the last kind of Marvel reboot. She comes out of Spider-Verse. She was a really interesting character, got her own series. It was Dynamite. Here we have a good jumping in point. Silk number one, all new, all different. Silk is Cindy Moon. She gets uh, bit by the same spider that bites Peter Parker. One of the odds. I don't know. Seems very unlikely. But what I like about she's a cool, she's a really cool character. She's very modern. She's kind of in with that internet culture. Um, But right now she's working for the bad guys. Her and Black Cat have teamed up. And uh, she's still fighting crime. In a twist. But she's doing it in kind of a different little way. And I, I, I really am digging it. This book's very fresh. It's very fast-paced. The art, which is done by Stacey Lee, is uh, pretty unique. I, I can't think of another Marvel book that looks like it. Um, her style is really great. And uh, the writer, Robbie Thompson, just keeps it like it's really witty and funny. And um, her internal dialogue is hysterical. It has me in stitches very, all the very time. Very Peter Parkery. She's quipping a lot. Yeah, she's she's a big quipper. Mm-hmm. But um she's also pretty different from Peter. Her her they, they have different problems going on. And the big thing in Cindy's life is 
Uh, she's trying to figure out what happened to her family. She was kind of off the radar for a little bit. This is like kind of her thing. Yeah. She's not trying to fight crime per se as much as she is. She's trying to solve the mystery of what's going on with her fam. Yeah. yeah. She's been in that bunker for 10 years. That goddamn bunker. Yeah. But this is a great book. I love it. I, I think she's a really fresh face in the spider family. Um, and she, I have a hard time getting people to pick up this book because it seems like the two hot spider ladies right now are her and Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Gwen's getting a lot of traction. Yeah. But I'll, I'll go on the air and say I think Silk uh, consistently has been a, a more enjoyable book. I like Silk more than, than Spider-Gwen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're, and, I like uh, them both a lot. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, Spider-Woman, too. There's, there's a lot of... Ooh, Spider-Woman's really good. So really good. Yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of spider Verse characters in general vying for your attention. A lot of spider ladies. Yeah, it's, it's just like real life. All these spider ladies trying to catch your eye. Catch your eye. Trying to um, hang out. But Silk gets overlooked a lot, and it's a real shame. This is a quality book. She's a really great character. I'm glad uh, Marvel's running with her and giving her her own thing. But uh, I like this. The the hero that's willing to do good and evil. It's an interesting, interesting little concept. I, but it's not sucky like the Punisher. So... Uh, it, it's a lot more lighthearted. <laughs> it's really not like the Punisher at all. Yeah, well, the yeah. Punisher is one of those characters that ki- is kind of doing the same thing. He'll, he does good and he does a little evil, and it's all to try to like better his goal. Yeah. And Cindy Moon is in that wheelhouse, but the way she's doing it, like she has a conscious, she's thinking about it, and uh, she won't a, kill anybody. Right. Though. She's not yeah. going to kill anyone, but um, she's she's a very different kind of gray superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like what they're doing with her. The writing and the art is, is just dynamite on this. We got it. And plus we get another superhero living in New York in an apartment being a superhero. Totally. Yeah. So we got that. Going she, for okay us. with that. Yeah. As book starts, she has a brand new, she's upgraded her mm-hmm. apartment in New York city and it's maybe the size of this recording studio. And I think that, that, that and it costs really like $11,000 a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like how her, her quips are like 10 years old. I think that's a fun gag because she's been like locked in a vault for for 10 years. Yeah, she's got like some sweet Legend of Zelda references. Yeah. Yeah, this is like her thing. I think it's pretty her, cute. Her pop culture references are dated. Yep. Yeah, it's so awesome. That's a good gag. Yep, suck number one, Marvel Comics. Don't skip it. Don't skip it. That was a 90s reference. We just made a 90s reference about a character that makes 90s references. What was the 90s reference? Do you remember Skip It? No. Oh, skip it! The toy. The toy. Skip it. Yeah. Skip it. I, I can't remember the rest of the words. Chris, do you not know what skip it is? I don't. Oh, it was so. It's a. It's a ball. <laughs> uh, it's like you put it on your ankle. It's like a yeah. ball and chain. And yeah. You, yeah. You have to. You skip around it. You kick it around, and you have to jump over it. It was a metaphor for relationship, <laughs> <laughs> for marriage. I never uh, thought of it as a ball, a toy ball and chain. But now that I think about yeah. it, yeah, it was like an imprisoning device that yeah, you, you give, give that to your kid and I give him a hammer. It was kind of some rocks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was you can't take the, it off until your chores are done. The advanced version of the hula hoop. I feel like it replaced the hula hoop. It was much it. more. It was so complicated. Well, you just put it on your foot and then jumped around it. But yeah, that's like tough. A, a heavy weight. I was never good at the skip it. My neighbors had a skip it, and they were much better at it than I was. Yeah, being good at it, good at skip it. I was a competitive skip it smen. <laughs> what did your uniform look like, Nick? It was a jumpsuit. Yep. The legs were sewn together. I don't have anything else for this. <laughs> Curtis, what was your pick? <laughs> you just put the skip it around both ankles <laughs> and hopped. Yeah, exactly. It was advanced. Yeah, nice. My big pick is uh, DK3, the Master Race number one. This is from uh, a DK3, huge... but what what is DK3? Oh, I'm so for? sorry. That's what I should probably say. It's Dark Knight 3. So this is the third part 
of the, I guess, the trilogy now. The fir- the Frank Miller classic Batman trilogy. Correct. So you got Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. You got Dark Knight Strikes Again. And now you have Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. Dark Knight Returns came out when? 1986, I hope, I'm pretty sure. Mid-80s. Mid-80s. Mid to late 80s. Yes. And, and now we're in 2015, damn near 30 years later. Yes. And we, got a, we have another book in the same... Kind of, I guess you'd say the same storyline, the same vibe. It's called the uh, the universe, even. Yeah, it it's its own a, Batman thing. It is. It exists outside of DC continuity proper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the original changed the whole game. It's you can definitely say whether you love it or hate it, everything was different. It changed everything after Dark Knight. Comics were different after the Dark Knight. Why was yep. that? Do you think? Well, uh, you know, um, I think. It, presented Batman in a way he'd never been seen before, mm-hmm. you know, and it was contemporary. Uh, you know, Frank Miller loves to do this thing with newscasters in, in all of his Batman books mm-hmm. where you've kind of got these talking heads representing the various liberal media, conservative media, yep. you know, talk show television. Um, and all that stuff was, all the stuff they were saying were kind of contemporary viewpoints and kind of rooted the thing in, you know, I guess more of a real world. So it was, it was, uh, it was dark. It was an old Batman. Nobody had seen that before. Um, kind of modern. I'm going to say modern, but people outside of the comics world kind of still viewed Batman a little bit like the 60s TV show. That was still kind of the prevailing sure. thought when you thought of Batman. You thought of like the campy kind of Adam 60s West, Adam West style. Adam West style. shit. Yeah. So this changed the whole game, and it broke out of comics. I mean, it was a New York Times bestseller and all this stuff, and people who didn't read comics read it, and mm-hmm. there was news articles, and it was a really big deal, and it showed people a whole different... So you this know, is contemporary like contemporary dark Batman. This is a contemporary of Watchmen, for sure. So this th- these two books kind of coming out together set the tone for for comic books. For some, I, we're still feeling the waves from these I books. I think so, and I think we're starting to see a really strong trend, kind of in a, in a different direction from these Absolutely. books. Um, but it's about the superhero as antihero. It's about you know the superhero as as something that can be very dark. Or or complex or flawed or complex or, or yeah, yeah flawed characters mm-hmm. um, and you know I think it maybe even to to think about superheroes as maybe a literary work is fair is is not going not too far I don't think so to to treat these characters as as you would any other kind of piece of fiction instead yeah. of just the the pretty light fodder that they were for a really long time at least that's how they were perceived I, I agree with you uh, yeah and th- this book you know so Dark Knight and Watchmen uh, also change things, but they also in, kind of strangely enforce new rules, right? A lot of people tried to copy Watchmen. They tried to copy Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it, it, for me, you know, looking back on it now, it broke a lot of kind of stereotypes and barriers in comic storytelling, but it also kind of imposed this era of darkness as yes. people tried to, you know, and that wasn't the intent of either of those projects. But a lot of them, they missed the the depth and they just went for the, the darkness. The dark, Is that exactly. what you're saying? Yep. So, um, you know, now in contemporary comics world, I think we, we've got the benefits of Dark Knight and, we, and we've shed the negatives of Agreed. books like that. So, Do you think Dark Knight Returns holds up? It does. Yeah, I've read it so many times. I've probably read that book as much as I've read any comic book. Um, there's bits of it, you know, that aren't as, they're a little more heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the thing. As you get more experience in the world, right, you've seen it before. And I go back to Dark Knight, and, I, you know, now I've seen this. I've seen this in other places. Mm-hmm. At the time, you just hadn't seen it anywhere, especially not Batman comic books. So it was a huge deal. It still holds up. 
Um, I have to reread Dark Knight Strikes In. I only read it one time. Yeah, I only read it one time because it was it was pretty rough. It was I, a bummer. I, I didn't love it. It was a pretty rough read. Yeah. Um, from the same dude, from Frank Miller, mm-hmm. writing and drawing it. Yep. You know, and it was whatever year, ten years later. So there was a big gap. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a different person. Things have happened in the world. Um, I've read some really compelling, long, long reviews of that book. Of Strikes that, Again. Of Strikes Again. That make me want to go reread it. You know, like he was trying to do this thing. Um, you know, the color palette is different because of what he's trying to do. The The cartoony style of the art was because he's trying to do something else mm-hmm. that speaks to where Batman is contemporarily at the point of that book's publication. You know, it's 10 years different. It, or 10 years later, it's different than Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that at all reading the book. I just, you know, was... I didn't either. So... It strikes again the one where um, Batman and Wonder Woman make make Whoopi in the clouds and yes. cause a, a thunderstorm? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and like uh, the atoms in a Petri dish and uh, the Flash is like being used to power a oh, yeah. sort of power plant. Sure. Um, but yeah, I want to go back and check it out. All that said, um, Dark Knight 3, I didn't know what to expect from this book. So this is an all-star team of creative people here. This is Frank Miller, Brian Azzarillo, Joe Kubert, Klaus Johnson, the original inker for Dark Knight and Strikes Again. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, and then the colorist is uh, Blair Anderson, I believe, if I'm... Sorry, Brad Anderson. Totally the, butchered that. Did Frank Miller do the pencils for this? He did not. Who did the pencils? Uh, that's uh, Andy Kubert. Ah. And the inks are Klaus Johnson, who inked Frank Miller originally. Yeah. And Kubert's kind of doing a Frank Miller impression here, though. Absolutely. And I think he does a really great job. Um this book shocked me. I was ready to just despise it. And, um, you know, because, I, like I say, Frank Miller on Dark Knight Strikes Again, it, it didn't blow me away. And he's done a couple books since then that I thought were, were very bad. Absolutely. Um, I did not enjoy All-Star Batman and Robin. Um, and Holy Terror was just one of the worst things I've ever read. Agreed. Uh, emotionally troubling. That's how bad that book Marcus, was. Marcus, we've talked about this before. Have you read Holy Terror yet? No, I... It's it's not high on my list. It should be at the bottom of your list, but yeah. because it's on the bottom, you should put it, it at put the it top. Up. Yeah, no, I've I've heard you guys talk about it, and there's just so many other things that I'd rather <laughs> be reading. Um, I'll say so. I've I've read the the two prequels to this book. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not my favorite Batman books. Yeah, I wasn't really into comics when they were changing the game. Like I I was a couple years late to the party. Um, and it this book doesn't do a whole lot for me yeah, because I, of that. Like, I, I, I've seen the effect these books have had, but I find the the books, and I thought this the first time I read them a couple of years ago, like, they jump around a lot. They they can be really heavy-handed at times. They're super heavy-handed. And, and it's that's not appealing to me. And when I was reading this one, it, like, there is some cool stuff in this book, but um, I think if you're not really into this universe that Frank Miller's created, the Frank Miller style of I, Batman, yeah, I can't say that I would recommend this book. To, and, and it just, for me, like it just jumps all over the place. I was really surprised by how, like, tonally, how much it feels like those other two books yeah. in 2015. Yeah, like it feels just, it reads just like those, like pace wise. Do you think that's a good thing? I personally don't think it's a good thing, um, but. But there, like you said, there were some moments in there that I thought were, were kind of cool. Uh, I like totally. Wonder uh, Woman fighting a Minotaur. Like yeah. that was that was pretty yeah. sweet. I, I thought they nailed it. I thought that that they captured somehow the tone of the original book, and I think Brian Azzarello injected enough of himself 
where I thought it was a, a couple steps away from Frank in yeah. a good way. I, I was really super impressed with this. I, I the Wonder Woman stuff I thought was great. Uh, the Kryptonian character I don't want to say I thought was super cool. I thought the twist at the end was great. I was, I'm super into that. Um, you know, because there's some stuff. It's like sometimes the ideas of these books are even are better than the books themselves. These books being Dark Knight, okay, Strikes Again, and Dark Knight Three. You know, the character of Carrie Kelly is awesome. This, Love this is Robin. This is from Robin from Dark Knight Returns. From Dark Knight Returns, and uh, I just I'm just in love with some of the ideas even more so than the books themselves. I thought this was incredible. For me, I, it blew me away the most because it felt like 10, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and it felt like now. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It, the juggling act that they're trying to do here, I thought they pulled it off yeah. mm. super I well. I, and, and I'm with you, Marcus. I just I don't see the need for this yeah. right now. Um, it's so ponderous, and like it's so heavy-handed. And it's just like weighted down with this sense of this is the most important thing in the whole world, every single word. Uh, it just it it felt out of place, and I and when it we needed that once upon a time mm-hmm. because superheroes you know got to be treated seriously, and that was the argument. Like you know, look at this, look at how serious this can be. It's not this goofy thing that you thought it was. Well, you know, I don't know if Frank even went into it like that. I I, I it's fun to think that going into it, he knew that it would be. Oh, would I don't be know that something. he did. Yeah, yeah, but at the time he was just I, doing his thing. It struck a chord pretty hard. Oh, it did, and it seems like that's that's part of the reason is is it it begs your attention because it's important and it felt important. Yeah, yeah. and that's you know that that's just kind of jumping off the page. And this is seems to be trying to do the same thing, but we don't need it anymore. Right. Um. And I was, yeah, it, it did. The the pacing kind of threw me off, and it was... It was just, for me, it was just jumping all over the place. Like, that's, we're you know, here, we're there, we're here. That's how they the, the other two books are, though, you know? And, totally. And that's what I the found first very one was, interesting sorry. about it, you know, is that yeah. it it weirdly mirrored these other books, but still, I thought, brought new stuff to the table. Hmm. Um, you were going to say sorry? Oh, just the, the, the Dark Knight Returns stayed pretty consistent to just a couple of characters. It's if I if I remember correctly, it's been so long since I've read. Yeah, this book, it's pretty so. big. It's, it's pretty, just like yeah. in a world with Scott Snyder Batman, the Frank Miller Batman is just simply not it, that compelling to me. Yeah, I, I, after I, reading Scott Snyder for as long as we have been and getting off this Scott Snyder run, I think there's room in our comic universes for multiple Batman, and they can be totally cool and totally different. Yeah, but after coming off the Scott Snyder run, this. I have a hard and time. It's not getting like excited the Scott Snyder it. run is like you know light or fun by any means, right? You that's know, it's thing. it's not that. It's not that it's a you know totally in the other direction, but no, and it, it you know you know how I feel about that run. That's that's my all time favorite, right? You know, if somebody asked me what what's my Batman, that's that's my my Batman, right? And I'm not trying to crap on this book. Um, I think there's a a big audience for this book. Oh, I, absolutely. I think there's a ton of people who should rightfully be very excited for it. Um, my thing is, is just like if if you weren't reading Dark Knight as it was coming out, or it wasn't one of the first Batman books you read, um, I could see this book not hitting the tones that it will for those other people. If yeah, and and you know people who were turned off by Volume Two because you know Volume One has sold eleven trillion copies. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that have read Dark Knight Returns is, oh, is tons. Everybody, you know, essentially. Now Part Two, who knows? Yeah. Um, I think this borrows more from the first volume. Dark Knight Returns, and it does from Strikes Again. Which yeah, I one am, issue in so which far. I'm, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if that, you know, keeps going. But man, I I gotta say, I thought 
the other stuff, the Dark Knight Universe stuff in this book, I thought was just, I thought Wonder Woman was completely badass. Totally. I loved that segment of this book. I loved uh, the Kryptonian character segment. I thought it was freaking killer. Brian Azzarello can write the shit out of Wonder Woman. Yeah. The Master Race? Uh, yeah, that's an unfortunate title. You know, we'll see what that means. I Like I say, I, I thought Brian shined through on this book in just the right way. I mean, because you can still feel the Frank Miller, but I thought... You know, to me, Azarello's job on this book is to pull Miller back from the brink mm-hmm. of madness. Because he's a kooky dude. Yeah, he's a bit of so, a kook. So, um, I really enjoyed it. Not for everybody, but, man, fans of the Dark Knight universe, I, I think, give it a look. I think this book is going to go places, too. It leaves you in a good spot. The cliffhanger at the end was freaking fabulous. How many issues is in this run? This is going to be three books or four books. Not many. It's pretty big. Pretty, I think it's oversized a little bit, though. It is. Yeah, it's a good 40 pages in here. Yeah. I have to say, I like the mini-comic in the middle. Yeah, production value here is pretty high, yep. and you get a lot of comic for so your right, buck. So right in the middle of this book, there's another tiny comic, and it's bound all by itself. What's it called? It's called Dark Knight Universe Presents The Atom, and this one's actually all drawn by Frank Miller. Um, and boy, it's Frank's art hasn't, hasn't gone to where I want it to. Hasn't aged well. Yeah. He's got a style, so... You know, but uh, yeah, give it a look if you're fans of Dark Knight's uh, Returns. Yeah. You know, even if you hated Strikes Again, I'm gonna reread it. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure. So that's my big pick. Report back on that. I will please. indeed. Um, excellent. So that's Dark Knight Three, DK Three, the Master Race from DC Comics. Nick, what's your big pick, dog? Ringside. Another uplifting comic. Yeah. Oh boy. A bummer. Yeah, <laughs> just a couple of bummers. We were so w- serious on that that Dark Knight review. Let's lighten it up with this other series. Yeah, can dark we book. can we can we lighten it up and talk about failure and has-beens and about the choices that lead you to failure in yeah. your life and there's no way out. That's what Ringside's about. It's about a wrestler. Yeah, and he was never really in the big time. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Wrestler? Yes. No. It's, it's kind of like that. Mm. Oh, you haven't seen the movie The Wrestler? Nope. It's a great will, movie. You will weep. You will for two hours. You will weep. It's a weeper. So uh, ringside is yeah. It's the story of this dude who is kind of getting out of the business. He's getting out of the the wrestling business. He doesn't want to coach anymore. He doesn't want to perform anymore. He's seen it all. He's done with it. Yeah, it's and a he, hard life. It's a hard life. He's coming back to the states. He was in Japan, kind of on the last legs of his career, and now he's uh, he's just trying to to settle back in. All of his wrestling buddies are eating boiled chicken and vegetables, and he's ordering double cheeseburgers. Like yep. he's out the game. Yep. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. It was very uh, super character driven. Yeah, lots of dialogue. Lots of dialogue. Lots of um, just what what's up with this dude's life? Where's he going? And then we kind of at the, the end of the issue, we find out where it's going, and it takes a, a twist from mundanity into something a lot more. A lot crazier and a lot more violent, and that I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Not at all. Yeah. Just because they spent the entire book just like really showing this is this guy's life, this is what he's doing, this is his day to day, and then it takes a twist that I didn't see happening, even in a comic book. Um, so who, who does the art on this book? So the artist is it's Joe Keating who did the writing. Joe Keating from Shutter, yeah, also from Image. Uh, Nick Barber, uh, and I really like the art. I really like the it. art. Yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of a David Aja feel to me a I'd little bit, that. Yeah. although a little bit more cartoonish than David Aja, a little bit more figurative and less, you know, 
close to reality. Uh, really, really dug it. The whole book. So, Curtis, you think wrestling is having a moment right now? Well, I, you know, I feel like... Another we, moment. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this earlier. Um, you know, there's a couple cool uh, books on the way, wrestling books. You know, we've had a couple Andre the Giant graphic novels in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we've got CM Punk writing comics. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was a time in my life, and it was a really long time ago, I was, like, totally obsessed with wrestling. I mean, this is, like, you know, the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's been a very long time. You still call me. You call me Nikolai Volkov sometimes. I do. He was apparently a wrestler. He's a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. He uh, used to ta- tag team. He was a uh, tag team partner of uh, the Iron Sheik. Ooh. Yeah. And they were like, you know, Cold War enemy. You know, they were like the Russians and the yeah versus America. Uh, the Iron Sheik had a move called the Camel Clutch. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's a killer move. And he also wore these crazy genie shoes with like the curl toes. Anyways, I saw him in an I airport once. Chicago O'Hare Airport. And the Sheik? The, the Sheik, Sheik and uh, Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. And I got my picture taken with him. That's awesome. I recognized them. I was such a fan, I recognized them in their street clothes. <laughs> Iron Sheik had like this crazy handlebar mustache. I was like, it's Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, that's his, his street clothes. He's <laughs> the rest was all street, but the stash was <laughs> yeah. like banging. It's unmistakable. Yeah, so anyways. I always find it, like, wrestling has never been a part of my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. but it, it always does surprise me the amount of people that are like really into wrestling. Yeah, you just you know people that you would never think would be into it. Like, oh, I've watched wrestling since I was five, and I you know it's they're really really into it. So yeah, we used to watch like on the regular. It'd be like me and this dude Charlie and Matt. We would like book to the house to watch wrestling all the time. Yeah, yeah it was a thing. So is yeah, it really, having a moment? Maybe is it having a moment? I think defining what the moment that we're in is having a moment. <laughs> yeah, there's at least three comic books about wrestling right now. Let's say that. Yeah, absolutely. That qualifies as a moment. Sure. So, uh, Ringside issue number one from Image Comics. It's not a. It's not a light read. It's not a. Mm-mm. Not a happy-go-lucky type of book. Pick up all three books. Maybe read Silk Last. Read Rich. Silk Last. Go up go, on a high note. Go that's, up on a high right. note. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Have some fun with your comics. Yeah. For goodness sakes. That's a fatty too. That issue's a big old Image it, number one. It is. You a know, fatty. forty fifty pager, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I'm bending it up. It's got a great cover. Uh, it's got a great splash page of um, that's what sold me on it. The the title page. Yeah. They are introducing the credits slowly, like one page they'll have the written by, and then two pages later they'll have art by. Yeah. And then they do this big ass splash page of a dude doing a backflip off of a ring. Uh-huh. Uh What do you call those things? The the ropes. Uh, well, you just call the, them the ropes, ropes, but then the corner would be like the turnbuckle, the top turnbuckle. He's doing a backflip off a turnbuckle in this like giant two-page spread, and it's awesome. Yeah, and in the the title Ringside is just huge and beautiful. Yeah, I really like it. Yep. So read Ringside. Do I say, it. yeah, I say do it too. That's Silk Number One uh-huh. from Marvel. Yes. That's DK Three, the Master Race from DC Comics. Donkey Kong Three. I was thinking Donkey Kong, the Master Race. That's <laughs> different. That's tone. more fun. That's, yeah. that's more fun. I want to yeah. read, read that book. Not more bananas. And ringside is you number one. Guess what, though? Right. What? what? Got some Mo Comics came out. Yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah. What else came out this week? Uh, Image Comics put out Black Magic number two. We talked about number one. It was one of our big picks when it came out. I really like that book. Uh, number two is great. Continuing the, the uh, arc of being awesome. Are <laughs> <laughs> what? The arc of being awesome. The first issue was awesome. Issue number two is still awesome. It continues that arc. continues that arc of being awesome. All right. So this is a mix <laughs> of a detective novel and uh, a witch hunt. Yeah. All set in modern times. I love it. 
it's great. Black and white book, which is normally not my jam. Uh, really, really great for this one. Black Magic number two from Image Comics. It's nice. Uh, I'm going to pick a Rumble issue number nine. This is the story of, I uh, think, Detroit, Michigan, now an ancient warrior who is now a straw golem has lost his soul, and he has a badass super magic sword, and he wants his sword back. And all these monsters and creepy dissidents of this other world who live in this old, blown-out Detroit will do anything to stop him. This shit rules. This is the best description of Rumble. It's such a good comic Ever. book. I'm the, impressed. James uh, Heron does the art. It slays. Mm-hmm. John Arcudi writing the shit out this comic, y'all. Agreed. Rumble, man, it's in a volume. Dudes, more people should read this comic. I, this is a good, good-ass good comic book, y'all. Still good. Invisible Republic number seven came out. This is the beginning of a new arc, mm-hmm. I think. Every time I do the, uh, with co-owner of Vault of Midnight, uh, Stephen Vodale, mm-hmm. I do the uh, some of the receiving yes. in the morning. And every time we unpack Invisible Republic, he's like, this is bullshit. More people should be reading this book. And he throws it down in front of me and yeah. they won't talk to me for a little while. Whenever we do it's the, your fault, Nick. The, the poll and it comes up, he always looks at me and says, we're so bad at our jobs. Because not enough people, not enough are, people reading are reading it. Yeah. Invisible Republic. And he's totally right. Yeah. It's a really good book. Uh, get your shit together, everybody. Yeah, well, people like get sick of hearing us be like, you should read every single comic <laughs> published by Mar- for published by Image Comics. They do 50 comics a month, and every single one of them is a gold mine. Yeah, and it's your fault if you don't read them. Yeah. I mean, they're not... I mean, it's kind of true. Like, if they publish... Let's pretend that number is 50 books a month. Mm-hmm. You could read 35 of those. Image is fucking killing it. Yeah. And they're not, like, showing any signs of slowing down. You're right. Can we talk about another comic that should have more people on the poll for it? Yeah. Archie. Listeners. (laughs) Yeah. You've heard me say it before. Archie is great. Archie's wonderful. And uh, I know I've been talking to a lot of people about this book because I'm super excited about it. Uh, Everyone's like, oh, really worried about Fiona Staples leaving the art. She does. In issue number four, we have Annie Wu taking over the art. It's great. Agreed. She she keeps up the she keeps up the style by putting her own little twist on it at the same time. Um, it's really wonderful. Archie is such a good book, and it's 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 a good book for everyone. And uh, there's been this big mystery throughout the first three issues about the lipstick incident. Yes. And finally, in issue number four, we find out what the lipstick incident yeah, is. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. Oh my goodness! All it, right, don't tell me I haven't read it yet. Yeah, oh. Don't tell me either. Oh. Neither of you have read this one. Not no. yet. Oh, yeah. We find out what the lipstick incident is. And it's um, Mark Wade is putting so much like life lesson into Archie. And he's doing a great job with it. This book is dynamite. Uh, Archie number four, Mark Wade, Annie Wu. Pick it up. Annie Wu did. Um, this is where I re- recognize her name is from. She did a bunch of Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. One offs. That's oh, right. I love cool. the Matt Fraction run. Right. Um, oh, I can see that. Now. Black Canary ongoing. And oh, she did storyboards for the Venture Brothers, you guys. No mm. shit. Do you guys watch the Venture Brothers? I've I mean, seen I've seen Brothers, some, yeah. yeah. I love that show. Yeah. I love how um, Annie dry and mean that show is. It's really dry and mean. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about. It's another thing about failure. <laughs> kind of yeah, my shit. Yeah, Ringside. I was going to say, to get back to Ringside, I, I love how like it's through the lens of like the old dude being like, you're going to fuck up a lot, and only when you get to be like 45... Yeah, and your fuck ups. Now you can tell other people that won't listen to you, because that's, you can't know until you experience it. That's your it. reward. <laughs> <laughs> Is you can also you'll be broke. You'll yeah. be broken. You can. Sh- it, your body will be broken, and you yeah. will have no money, and you'll be alone. As your present. 
Anyway, <laughs> what, else, what else you got, Curtis? Uh, I got another Image comic book. It's called The Fade Out. Mm-hmm. It's by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. This is a murder mystery on a movie uh, studio backlot set in the mid-40s. Sean Phillips on the Ort. It kills. Uh, I haven't read issue 11 yet. This is 11 I have in my hand. Issue number 10. My favorite thing about this book is, let's pretend there's 12 ongoing story questions. They answer one and give you three more every issue, and I just feel like we're falling deeper and deeper into the shit show, and we're 11 issues in. Sounds stressful. It's freaking great, but it is stressful because you don't know who is the bad guy. You don't know who's selling who out. You don't know who the fade-out is? You do not. We don't even know who fade-out is. We don't. I don't think fade-out's a person, Nick. Well, I'm pretty sure he's a person. You think it's an actual well, person? Well, the mystery is the trying to find out who's who is the fade out. Well, yeah, but they're named the fade out. Yeah, and they'll peek around the corner. It is I. I haven't read out. it. I don't know. I don't know what it's about. You've read this goddamn comic, haven't you? Yeah, I have read. Oh, that. I was okay. say, have you seriously not read Fade Out? <laughs> well, I'm a- the fade out. <laughs> no. It's me. You solved my puzzle. <laughs> so that book's good, and it's from Image. It's still coming out. Excellent. Over the Garden Wall, number four of four, came out from Kaboom. Uh, man. Curtis, did you finally watch Over the Garden Wall? I did. I finished it. Was it as magical and mystical as I led you to believe? It was. It broke my heart. It's a wonderful series. It's so good. So good. It's like I was. Cr- the last episode made me cry a lot. Yeah. And it made me cry in that great, a happy cry. Did you? Uh, were you? Did you watch it with a blanket on a nice fall day? I did. And my daughter was trying to get ready for work, and I made her sit down and watch the whole thing oh, with me. Good call. And she couldn't. Every time I'd be like, "Oh, there's only one more," and I kept lying to her. <laughs> And she was like, "What well, you said? There was only one more." Was she late for work? Did you make her late? For she work? wasn't late for work, but you know, she could only she had to spend less time on her hair or whatever. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You know, she's she's a good lady. But yeah, she <laughs> sat there and watched the whole thing with me. It was really cute and it was magical. Excellent. Well, the car, the um, the single issue series is wrapping up now, and I'm hoping that means we're going to get a collection of all of them. I'm going to own it. Oh, awesome. including that one one shot that they did that you can't get. I hope that they, but we don't know, but That'd be that'll cool. be five issues all together. You just know, oh man, if they put this in a hardcover, mm-hmm. it's not even fair. It's going <laughs> to be sexy. It's going to be in my room. So uh, my almost pick for the week, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number one, Marvel Comics, all new, all different Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, so I was introduced to Devil Dinosaur in the Planet Hulk Secret Wars sub-series. Captain America rides him around as a noble steed, and nice. I fell in love with the character via that series. And now here we go, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur out. So Devil Dinosaur is exactly what his name describes him to be. He's a giant red Tyrannosaurus Rex, and Moon Girl is this like super smart, into science young lady. She hates school because she doesn't feel like she's learning anything because she knows more than the teachers. And she's out investigating stuff with her weird inventions. And one way or another, via these weird inventions, she transports this dinosaur to the present time. Yeah, Damn she, it. she invents a Cree tracker. Yeah. A Cree energy tracker. What are the Cree? Somehow. Quick. Cree, they're an alien race that's like seeded mankind for years and like maybe are responsible for mutants and different aberrations. In the Marvel Universe? In the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Nice. Both yeah. Spider- or, uh, both Silk and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur have to do with Cree stuff this yeah. week, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if they're gonna bring some of that oh, back. Oh, they're gonna bring the Cree back. I don't know. I'm just, ah. I'm just, I'm just like noticing, noticing trends. Cree. Um, are the th- Cree having a moment? I, I don't know. I think we're maybe too pre- premature yeah. for a Cree moment. I think so. Okay. Yeah, we're, let's we're, chill out with the Cree moment for yeah. now. We're we'll in the theory crafting realm. Um, this is book uh, all ages book for sure. Ton of fun. The main character, Moon Girl, yeah. is like smart as a whip and pretty sassy. And uh, I found her to be a very compelling character. 
I like how um, she cracked off to the teacher what evolution is. She was like, the theory of evolution. My good lady, I'll have you know. That was pretty good. Yeah, I like awesome. that. Uh, I'll read it. And Devil Dinosaur and the original was Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur created by Jack the King Kirby oh. way back in the day. So it's been Thank around you. for a long time. Uh, Captara number five. This is the weirdest, funniest comic. Chip Zdarsky is got is in full freak mode. Yeah, he does a lot of funny comics. This one is like he does a, a Smurf parody in here with a village of beings called the Glumps. Outrageously funny. I can't wait for this new issue. I love Captar. Captar number five. It's a great book. It's a little bit of He Man. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Flash Gordon. A little bit of Flash sure. Gordon. It's got a lot of dicks. It's awesome. Uh, Saga number thirty-one came out this week. I was gonna pick this this week, and you guys made fun of me. Yeah, everyone's buying Saga, Nick. I don't need to talk about Saga. Everyone is buying but Saga. But it's a new arc. But it's a new arc. It's the beginning of a new arc. <laughs> hey, it's really cool. This one's got a lot of... Um, oh, I forgot her name. What's the little girl's name in this book? Uh, What's the daughter's name? Uh, it's what the whole book's about. Hazel. She narrates, her name is Hazel. Hazel. She narrates the entire comic. And now it's like about her. She's like a human being. Almost. Oh. She's like, a, you know, she's like talking and we're like actually hanging out with her as a character. Do we do a time jump again? There's a little bit of a time jump. Ah. It was really, really cool. Saga number 31. Jump in. Don't jump in with number 31. No. no. Read the rest of it. Yeah. But yeah, if you're not reading Saga. Um, oh. Just very, just quick. We're yeah, going to yeah, move yeah. on. Uh, Dan Abnett, I.N.J. Colbert, Wild's End, my favorite book coming out right now. Uh, Wild's End, Enemy Within, read The Trade, and then pick this book up. This book is some of the best storytelling in comics. And uh, we'll do a Mark Millar to close us out. Jupiter's Circle, Volume 2, Number 1. Big fan of this series of books. Excellent. And it's back. I and talked a lot our... of shit about Mark Millar the other week. I was feeling pretty weird about it afterwards. Don't feel super weird. He keeps texting me, and I like, haven't answered him because I'm just that, like, embarrassed. No, that's no, a little no. weird. Yeah. No. What about thick ass comics? Oh, for show. Thick ass comics like a graphic novel or a trade paperback. Yeah, a trade paperback. Yeah, they put a bunch of Kermit Burks into a big old fat <laughs> thick ass Kermit Burke. Yeah, was there anything good? There's a bunch of good ones. Let's talk about the kitchen. Yeah, that's a Vertigo book that came out in maybe five single issues, something mm-hmm. like this. Something like that. It's about a bunch of ladies whose dudes are are criminals, and they all go to the joint. And all the wives take over the criminal rackets, and they become these super badass crime bosses. And it's this hardcore, maybe what, 70s, kind of 80s setting? Definitely 70s, late 70s. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bunch of these, bunch of these badass chicks. It's like, you know, think, you know, Goodfellas or something like this, but where, like, the wives of the Goodfellas take over yeah. while the dudes are in the joint. It was dope, y'all. It was cool. Neat yeah. premise. I liked it. Uh, Frankenstein Underground came out this week. Part of the BPRD universe. Uh, this book, I was reading it in single issues, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it's just, it's a ton of fun, and they get into some like weird Mayan mythology in this yes. one, and you don't normally think Frankenstein, Mayan mythology, they go together, but it works, and it works really, really well. Um, if you are into Hellboy or BPRD in any way, shape, or form, Frankenstein Underground should be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's good. A Glance Backward. Oh, yeah. Released this week. By Pierre Pequette and Tony Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I said his name like that. Well, it's fine. It's, you know, you want to give it some flair. It's a really awesome name. I'm trying to put some stank on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, a glance backwards is these dudes also did. What was the other book that they did? It was Don't Tell Me, Wonder Boy, Doom Boy, Doom Boy. But that was all Tony Sandoval. He did that whole thing by yep. himself. Oh, okay. He did. So I'm not familiar with Pierre Pequette. 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 
But uh, yeah, but yeah, so stanking it up also over here with my frange. Um, but Tony Sandoval on the art, uh, Pierre Pequette is doing the writing. It is this the this might be my cover of the week. This shit's so good, it's dude. Really, really nice. Do you guys have another contender for cover of the week that's better than this? I, no, I dare you. What do you got? I, I nothing leaps to mind, my it, man. It's got a little boy with uh, standing amidst these roots, and the roots are growing through his body. Yeah. It is disturbing and really cool looking. It's got a train in it, so I'm down to party. It's got a train in the distance, so yeah. Marcus is hot to trot and go. He's he's hot to trot and go. This, he says. I, this is the graphic novel that I'm going to read next. I'm really excited. I uh, it's listed as teen drama on the back. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I got about halfway. You read through it? it. I, well, oh. I got halfway through it. Oh, did um, you enjoy it? I I liked it. It's weird. It's it's definitely in that French graphic novel. Style. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means that someone's on a journey and there's a ton of mystical stuff going on and it's not going to explain it to you. You just got to put on your seatbelt and go. Cool. Um, yeah. I really liked it. it. A lot of that idea about being like a young person and what your imagination can do. And all, often we think like, oh, this kid has a really great imagination, but there's a dark side to that imagination as well. And this book explores that a little bit. What is that? Could you guys, is the art style hearkening back to anything? Do you remember that movie, James and the Giant Peach? Yes. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't know who the art director was in that movie or what the vibe was yeah. going for, but that's what this reminds me of. So what what came to me instantly uh, was because these vines that are kind of growing through the kid, uh, the beanstalk out of the back of him. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got my like fairy tale vibe from. This book definitely touches on those fairy tale roots, but I definitely had uh, James and the Giant Peach, Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, inspires a lot of the art here. Yeah, and the cover gives you a glance at the art process. It looks like it. This the effect is pencils to to watercolor. Mm-hmm. There's no yep. ink, and it really gives it this great look. You can still see the pencils through the watercolors. It just Tony Sandoval that book Doom Boy was my that was a really my good book. jam. Yeah. It looks so good. And this is Magnetic Press. We should mention mm-hmm. is the publisher. We've talked about him a few times on the podcast. I have read almost everything they've put out in English. Oh, Naja was great. The art by this guy named Bengal, who's been showing up on some American comics, did a little Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're just dynamite. They're just a boutique publisher that uh, don't have time for doo-doo. So, Excellent. That's, yeah. a, that's a glance backward yeah. this weekend. Thick-ass comics. Yeah. Ooh. We had some uh, some neat merch fly through the shop this week. We did. Of note, there were some audiobooks. We there don't talk some, about merch much, but there was some cool stuff There was some week. cool stuff that bared mentioning. Yeah. So um, we got some... Audio book versions of Miss Marvel Volume One. Yeah. And Craven's Last Hunt, the Spider Man story arc. Yeah. Uh which I'm not it's it's kind of a classic Spider Man yeah. story. It's you know, I think Craven appeared was for this arc. I think that was might be the first appearance of Craven. Yeah, I'm not sure. Good question. Um but I'm excited to listen to them. I've been listening to the lock and key audiobook for the past two months. Yeah, here I heard you saying you love that. It's it, like 16 hours long or something. So I've just been in pieces listening to it. And it's, it's a is, lot. It's wonderful. You find cool. that it transfers well? It tra- So they rewrite it, you know, for, yeah. as an audio play. They're not just reading words off a screen. And there's a narrator that comes in sometimes like, you know, that day on the schoolyard. And then yeah. we, you know, then we're into it. Man, I hope <laughs> they do Wild's End in audiobook format because that's where Dan Abnett got his start was doing audio plays. Wild's really? End would be brilliant yeah. as an audiobook. So Dan Abnett does a lot of the Doctor Who Audio plays. Really? He's really? writing credits. Yep. That's awesome. And yeah, Wild Zen would do so well. Yeah. There was play. also uh, Mark Wade, uh, Daredevil number one. They did an audiobook of that. 
that was really, really cool. Comics is audiobooks. I love it. Who knew? It, it, it works. I am going to totes check out that Miss Marvel as an audiobook. 100%. I, I know. I'm total, I can't wait. Yep. So Your brain's turning, Marcus. I'm thinking maybe we do a small audio play. We got a recording studio. We got three guys with distinct voices. Yeah, you think we, you think we can act? You think we can audio act? Yeah, I think we could. I absolutely can. Right, no question. I, I'm sold. I'm 100% equipped to do an audio play. Listeners, and let's fucking do it right now. For no listener, reason listeners. That like, I can think of. Serious. Listeners. I want if Nick there was to a, write I want it, the though. listeners to well, do. I want him to let, like, if there was a comic, a single issue, <laughs> that you would really like us weirdos to try to do an audio play <laughs> for, Matt. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. You want us to do an actual something that exists. I was thinking Nick will just, you know. Set our, the scene. Just, you know. Just rip one off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, listeners, let us know. I'm, I'm totally serious. I would love to try it. I would love to try. I it. just want to hear your British accent, Marcus. Not right now. Save it. Think about it. Okay. I saw you gearing up. I saw you take a damn big deep breath. Yeah. We also had some uh, Batman animated figures yeah. come in this week. Uh huh. That were pretty sweet looking. Yeah. Like after the 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 '90s cartoon, Batman oh. the animated series. Yeah. The the Tim Burton produced shits. Bruce Tim. Well, so Tim Burton was involved. Oh, was he? In, that in the cartoon? Yeah, and oh, it I spun didn't... right out of the, the Michael Keaton movies. Oh. Um, same theme song, dog. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't know what Tim Burton's involvement was. No, that's in okay. It, but Bruce Tim the, was the kind of the art, art director. Yeah. 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 And it was the, his art and his vibe that kind of set the tone for it. Great series. It's the Batman that I most often associate with Batman. It holds up, too. Yeah. It sure I does. Grew up the, that was the Batman that I had first experienced growing yeah. up. So I have been thinking a lot about... So Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. hugely popular character. True. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but this is just something I've been thinking about. Yeah. So Harley Quinn uh, was invented for the Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. And now Harley Quinn is one of the, the biggest comic book characters on the planet. It's easily one of our most requested books at the shop. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the character of Harley Quinn, it shouldn't work. No, not at all. It's about a woman who becomes obsessed with her patient, and he manipulates her and turns her crazy yep. to the point that she'll do anything for him and break him out of jail, the Joker. She's totally in love with him. She's totally in love with him. She's a psychiatrist or whatever, and, and he turns her into basically like his henchman. He's definitely not in love with her. He's definitely not in love with her. He's totally using her. Yep. And in the animated series, like that sounds on paper, that sounds really shitty. In the animated series, it it's somehow worked it i don't played i don't yeah. think you'd like gave it you didn't you didn't give it as much you didn't read into it that much because it was a, a kid show and it was written as a kid show yeah and it had that look you know that kind of separates it from yeah being real she wasn't she also wasn't as like hyper sexualized as she's become true not at all um the character had, didn't start out life that way right um so this is just something I've been thinking about lately for Harley Quinn. Like what that character is a high wire act is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And it over time has to me fallen off of the high wire and become something that kind of bums me out, to be honest. So it's tough because she's crazy. Yep. She's hypersexualized. She's like super manic and she is immensely popular. She's one of, if not our most requested female superhero by female she's, shoppers. She's the Deadpool of DC yeah. characters. And I think for a long time, there just was not a huge dearth of female characters for yeah. anybody to get into. Yeah. And at least Harley Quinn has like something else going on for her besides, like you know, I'm a superhero. Which, you know, if you're not 
into superheroes and a lot of people are not it gives you you know there, there's something else to grab onto i'm totally speculating i'm talking talking out of my ass because yeah. i don't know why people like harley quinn to right. be honest with you yeah but her like her following she has a, a large number of followers they, huge they dress like her they dye her hair like her they come in like how many customers have come in and like done their harley quinn voice for us it happens all the time yeah and it's you a know? weird like baby doll yeah, thing totally. and it's a weird if you just take Harley Quinn on her merits it's just it's a lot of the things that we talk about all the time is being wrong with comics but it's also brings a lot of people to comics yeah and and that's the thing right so we're all dudes mm-hmm. so we're we're trying to think about things in a way where hey you know we want to have posters on the wall that don't make anybody feel uncomfortable yeah you know we got women and girls coming into the store on a regular basis but Harley Quinn is so tough because the um, the audience is primarily women. It's, it does seem like that. It's not dudes. Yeah. You know, and you, you would think, you know, at first glance, like, who's reading this? You know, it's a bunch of dudes, you know, mm-hmm. getting into it. That's not the case. And whenever she's done as, you know, when the statues come out and when the variant covers come out and the new versions of her come out, it's just, it's, she she's become a thousand times more sexualized mm-hmm. and her clothing just evaporates. Yes. And, uh... I'm just I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. I would love to hear from any listeners that are that can set me straight about this and tell me what the appeal is of of Harley Quinn. Yeah, now as she stands now. I just want I want to hear from a fan yeah. what it is of, you know, that that's so appealing about it because it's a, it's monstrously popular and I can't wrap my head around it. I agree. Especially right now when there, we have so many cool female characters to, you know, to to reach out to totally well it's just the villain thing i don't i just don't know you'll hear that argument though you know it's like you you want characters that you don't want all women to be like this hyper sexualized thing yeah but then you will hear and i've heard this argument from female customers who are fans of harley quinn yeah they're like they do want they don't mind some sexy absolutely characters right and that's okay to have a character that is you know sexual uh, to a degree or or Mm -hmm. sexy if you will and um you know, you just but as a dude, I'm trying to be very careful. I'm trying to figure out what's. It is weird because the zone, we're, right? Because we're, we're, we're know? trying to make something so that when when young ladies come in and they they don't feel like they're being bombarded with a bunch of images of, of practically nude women all over the place. Because yes. that's that there Posing. is a time and com- and you don't have to look very far in comics right now to see a lot of that shit. Yeah. And then meanwhile, there come those girls that age that we're like thinking about all the time are coming in and be like, "Hey, where's Harley Quinn?" Right. It kind of makes my brain pop a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I have a very hard time when you, we get like the young teenagers who come in, and like, "Oh, show me the Harley Quinn section." Like, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, because like the Batman animated series Harley Quinn, I will recommend that stuff all day. Yeah, that's I have no problem with that. But in her current rendition, it's so sexual. And well, I just wonder if you go if if you go back to the source on on Harley Quinn, I wonder if it's possible for that character to work and maybe we just forgave it because it was a, it was a different time and it was a kid's show. I just don't know. My memories of it are good and I will say I have popped in on a few issues of the current Harley Quinn run mm-hmm. that's drawn by Amanda Connor and um I that is a a kind of a a mix of both. Harley Quinn's still kind of uh sexy but it's a little more cartoony and a little lighter mm-hmm. and a little more goofball. Um, and I found that to be, I, I was able to understand the appeal of that a lot more than, you know. Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn. Yeah, exactly, where her, her bustier is yeah, sexy cramming her all in there. Yeah, baby doll, clown face, crazy pig, lady. Pigtails? Yeah. Pig, like, fucking That's rough, man. I, you know, so. But I agree uh, uh, with Nick on this one. Please help us out with this one because uh, 
We're just three dumb dudes trying to like. I'm all ears. Figure figure this one out. Yeah. Yeah. You may not be able to convince me that it's good, but I just want to hear what the you know what what the appeal is. Sure. Um, and I hope I didn't. We didn't sound too much like dicks talking about that. I don't begrudge anybody liking Harley Quinn. No. I just want personally to understand it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. I'm right there with you. We ran out of time. Yeah, that was. We did. Yeah, that was very listener questiony. So. Yeah. Um. But uh, gentlemen, it's a pleasure as always. Yeah. Yeah. We and made it. We did it. Another one. I think you guys. We just burned another hour. Oh I yeah. Think you guys are just the best. Time to go brine a turkey. Go, go brand that turkey. I will. Our producer and editor is Rachel Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb. All of our art and design for our website and our logo and such was created by Philip Wong. And a very special thanks to the Ann Arbor District Library for the use of their recording studio, which we use every week. And they're very gracious to host us. Thank you very much. Uh, please subscribe to Super Skull on iTunes. And as always, leave us a review. I need reviews. We need reviews. They validate us doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is Super Skull Show. Also, please check out our website, superskullshow.com. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. And I am Curtis Sullivan. And I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And we wish you good reading. Until next week. Nick, can you say we are all Vikings in your J- JFK <laughs> we, are, we are all Vikings. <laughs> we are all of us Vikings. I, I encourage you to join me on this, uh, this Viking moment. Ish bin ein... Ein Viking. Yeah. <laughs>